This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. When we know what God's Word says, but what I'm going through just doesn't seem to line up with what God's Word says, and I'm trying to figure it all out. And I'm reminded most, and I've quoted this verse over and over again through the years of Genesis chapter 50, verse number 20, when Joseph looks at his brothers and he says, what you meant for harm, God has turned for my good. He turns it around and he says, look, I can look at this the way you're looking at it, going, you meant something wrong and I could bring judgment on your head, but instead of bringing judgment, I'm going to find God in the middle of what happened. And God did move. God saved the world because someone was able to find God in the middle of their storm. Let me just declare to you, there is hope for our nation. There is hope for our world if we can become that kind of person. And so we turn to this small book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk's name means to embrace and to wrestle. And that name meaning to embrace and to wrestle, uh, it really describes a relationship with God because in order to wrestle with God, you're going to have to embrace Him. In order to embrace God, you're going to find yourself wrestling with God because anytime you get in the presence of God, you're going to find that it's going to change who you are. It's going to change the very fiber of your being. And, 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 and if you really want to wrestle with God, you're going to have to embrace Him. Someone said, uh, uh, an angry atheist. And I said, well, almost every atheist I've ever met is angry. It's not that they don't believe He exists. It's that they're mad at Him for existing. But in order to really get to know Him, you're going to have to embrace Him. And when you embrace Him, you will be able to testify, have tasted of the Lord, and the Lord is good. And this name Habakkuk means I'm going to get to know you better, God. You see, Habakkuk was a prophet who lived in a time when things were out of control. When he first came into his ministry, he had lived in a nation that was strong and righteous, and King Josiah was the king, and the nation was serving God, and as they were serving God, everything was progressing, and everything was moving forward, and, and, and the nation was, was, was something to see. And, and then when an evil power came into play, the nation became weak and fractured and, and, and divided, and, and, and people were literally sacrificing their babies up to the lust of the day, and people were, were living in a way that was, that was, uh, uh, it was just destroying their nation. And I thought as I read his words, how familiar it reminds me between the America of my childhood and the America we're handing our children. And Habakkuk comes in our text today, he's looking around the circumstances of his life and he's saying to himself, this is not right. He said, this is not right. We have the promises of God. I'm going to take this to God. I want to have a talk with God about this because he's quoting all those wonderful, pleasant scriptures and it says here when he calls out, the first word calls out, it, it means a re- not just a request or an inquiry, but he says, violence, I cry out. And, and, and literally he's screaming at the top of his lung, God, God, I don't understand. Your word says this, but look at the world that I'm living in. God, I don't get it. God, this is not right. Something's wrong. Will you please come and do something? Will you revive our land? And then we find in Habakkuk chapter 1, verse number 5, we find the answer. Look what God replies. He says, look around at the nations. Look and be amazed. For I am doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe even if someone told you about. God said, I'm about to do something so amazing that it would blow your mind if somebody tried to tell you about it. You were the first congregation not to say amen and shout at that part all morning. 
you are right not to say amen and shout at that moment. Because the next verse that God says is this, and I'm going to raise up the Babylonians, a cruel and violent people. They will march across the world and conquer other lands. They are notorious for their cruelty, and they do whatever they like. Their horses, nobody's saying amen, come on now. Their horses are swifter than cheetahs and fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their charioteers charge from far away. Like eagles, they swoop down and they devour their prey. Woo! Nobody's shouting. He comes, to, he comes to God and says, God, I don't like what's happening, God. And God responds, neither do I. So I'm just going to do something so amazing that people are going to go, oh my. He says, it's going to be so amazing that people wouldn't believe it if you tried to tell them how much I'm going to destroy you. How many of you feel for Habakkuk right this moment? He goes to God and he's like, God, I need you to move. God, I need you to deliver. God, I need something. And God says, that's right, I'm going to move and I'm going to wipe you out, boy. As a matter of fact, I'm going to do it with so much style, people are going to go, oh my. Some of you ever felt like people were looking at your life that way? How many of you would be like me at that moment? I would be like, Lord, can we rewind this prayer? Not the answer I want. Not what I'm looking for. I pray God bring revival and you say, sure, I'll send it by destroying you. I mean, not what we're looking for. So Habakkuk rethinks his strategy. He goes back to God in verse number 12, and we're getting somewhere that's going to be so significant for us. And he says, oh Lord, my God, my Holy One, you who are eternal, is your plan in all of this to wipe us out? Surely not, O Lord, our rock. You have decreed the rise of these Babylonians to punish and correct us for our terrible sins. You are perfectly just in this, but will you who cannot allow sin in any form stand idly by while they swallow us up? Should you be silent while the wicked destroy people who are more righteous than they? Wow. So what does he say? He says, God, I don't get it. We're bad, but they're worse. He's still focused on himself. The first thing I want us to learn this morning is this. God says, here's where you are. And Habakkuk says, Lord, I don't like where I am. I don't like what I'm going through. And let me just be real honest with you, and this is the first service I felt led to say this in. That's what God's saying to you. You don't have to fake it if you don't like where you are. You don't have to try to sound super spiritual. That's your problem. That's why you can't get breakthrough because you're trying, you're trying to sound spiritual about something. And let me just tell you, there's this one guy who was about to go through something and he didn't want to go through and he knelt in a garden and he prayed and turned his blood, uh, sweat turned like great drops of blood and he said this, he said, I don't want to go this way. If there's any way possible, don't make me do this. I don't want to go through this, God. I don't want to experience the pain, the struggles that, I, that, that, that I'm about to have to go through going to the cross. And Jesus, as he prayed that prayer, he wasn't somehow rebelling against God. He's saying, God, I don't like the plan. I wouldn't choose this plan. God, is there any other way? See, it was not that the, what we see there. It wasn't sin for him to struggle with where he was. It's not sin for you not to like your circumstances. I think we have this image that the Hebrew children somehow liked it in the fire. It had to be cool to see Jesus. 
But I'm sure that they were walking around going, oh, okay, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. And they were praising God and they were dancing. But when they came out of the fire, there had to be a relief in their life. If you're in the middle of a storm and you're going through something that seems to be ripping your guts out, you need to hear what I've come to tell you today. I have a message from God for you today. Just because you're in a situation that you don't like, you're not failing God. You don't have to like it. And if you're struggling with doubt, it's okay. I want you to understand that God wants you to learn the difference between doubt and unbelief. You see, doubt is the thing that causes you to question and to wrestle and to seek out and to fight to find the right answer. When you're going through something, you're going, God, something just doesn't feel right. This does not line up with all the promises the preacher preached about. This doesn't line up with all the things that I've heard. And you're going through a struggle about that. And you're wondering where God is. You're not sinning to wonder where God is. The difference between doubt and unbelief, though, is unbelief is when you give up and walk away. When you throw up your hands and say, didn't work for me, I'm giving up on God, I'm giving up on going to church, I'm giving up on serving God, didn't work for me, and you go to your backup plan. Let me tell you the best way to deal with a backup plan when it comes to the things of God, get rid of the backup plan, settle it, cut it off, and stick with Jesus through every storm. Amen. <laughs> stick with him. Too many of us keep our escape routes. We need to serve Jesus no matter what. Amen. He loves us. He has chosen us. Unbelief is a sin, but doubt. Jesus himself said, Lord, I don't want to go through this. Is there any other plan? And then he followed it up with what showed it wasn't unbelief, that he was just weary. And he said, but nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. God, I don't want to be here, but I'm not going to abandon you to try to get in a different situation. If I ascend to the very pits of hell, the great writer said, I know my God is still there. I'm not running, and I'm not turning around because my God's faithful. Can I get a good amen this morning? You see, when you feel like your circumstances aren't lining up with God's character and the promises that you've been given in Christ, here's what you need to do. I want you to realize this from Habakkuk's life. He said, we've got to come into the presence of God because it's the only place we find healing for our souls. And here's what Habakkuk said in verse number 17. He said, Lord, are you going to let them get away with this forever? Will they succeed forever in their heartless conquest? In chapter 2, verse 1, I will climb up into my watchtower now. He says, I'm going to go to my watchtower, and I'm going to wait and see what the Lord will say to me and how he will answer my complaints. He said, God, I don't like where I am, but I'm going to go get in your presence, and I'm going to wait till I find an answer I can stand on. And listen to what answer God gives him. And some of you have seen this on plaques in Christian bookstores. You've seen it put on uh, people's walls, on their, on, on their social media. You've seen this verse uh, from Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2. It's a very, very popular verse. It says, write my answer in large, clear letters on a tablet so that a runner can read it and tell everyone else that these things I plan won't happen right away. But slowly, steadily. Surely the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. It seems slow. Wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. I don't know how many times people have encouraged me with that verse. They say, oh, write the vision and make it plain so that he that reads it may run with it, and, and it will not be delayed, for in due season it will come about. How many of you have ever heard that verse as encouragement, right? Yeah, that's encouragement, but not really. Because back is sitting in his watchtower, Hiding behind the walls, he's like, oh God, oh God, oh God, help me God. And God says, Habakkuk, do me a favor. Yes, Lord. He says, will you write the vision I gave you? 
You mean the one that you're going to destroy us in such a bad way people are going to go, <gasps> He said, yeah, write it. Write it down because it may take me a few, few years before it actually happens, but I want you to be able to read it so you can move on with it. Hold on a minute. God, what are you trying to say? Write down the impending judgment that I'm going to go through. And God began to just stir something in my heart that really, really got a hold of me. Because what he was saying was this. He was like, in the middle of your storm, in the middle of your dark time, you will lose your way. So I'm going to give you step by step what you're going to go through so that when you go through it, you remember I still have a plan. I'm still in control. I'm still able. I'm still faithful. And though you're in the middle of the storm, you know the God who brought you in has brought you in so he can bring you out. And when he brings you out, you're going to be stronger than when you went in. And he said, I don't want you to lose your way in the middle of it. So write it down and remember I'm bringing you out. And that's the message God's given me today. Remind yourself what God has done. Remind yourself where God has brought you from. Remind yourself that the God who brought us into this thing. Look, I, we may look around our nation and go, whoa, 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 I don't understand. I don't get it. Why all this trouble? But I remember something. The book of Revelation was given for a reason. Not to scare me out of my mind. It was given for the hope that though tribulation may come and problems may arise, and the last day there will be a shout. There will be a trumpet blast. There will be a return of the Lord Jesus Christ. He will set his foot down on the Mount of Olives, and we will ever be with the Lord. Amen. See, in the middle of the storm, we have hope because we find what's written down. And it reminds us. I started to call this message Stepping into Chapter 3. Because after the struggle of one and the victory found in two, he steps into the victory in Chapter 3. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse number 2. When I told somebody this morning I was preaching the whole book, you should, it's like, like the air went out of the room. Habakkuk 3, 2. I've heard all about you, Lord, and I'm filled with awe by the amazing things you have done. In this time of our deep need, begin to help us as you did in years gone by. Show us your power to save us, and in your anger, remember your mercy. And then in the next several verses, all the way to verse 17, what he does, he said, God, don't you remember when you brought us through? Don't you remember when we walked through the Red Sea? Don't you remember, God, when you fed us in the wilderness? Don't you remember how you brought this and you, you delivered us here? And he reminded himself of God's promises. And then it leads all the way down to verse number 17. And verse number 17 begins like this. Even though the fig trees, this is still Habakkuk speaking, have no blossoms, and there are no grapes on the vine, and even though the olive crop failed, everything around us is failing, and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. He said, I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. For the sovereign Lord is my strength. He will make me as sure-footed as a deer and bring me safely over the mountains. Here's what I want you to get. When Habakkuk makes this declaration that God is my strength, God is my hope, God is my joy, when he makes this declaration, Habakkuk's situation has not changed. Judgment's still coming. There's still problems. There's still struggles. His situation hasn't changed, but Habakkuk had changed. And when Habakkuk changed, it began to infect the atmosphere around him. And this is so important. Here's what he said. He said, help us again as you did in years gone by. 
And here's what you need to remember. You must keep a record of God's goodness in your lives. You must keep a record of God's goodness in your life. Some of you need to learn to preach yourself a sermon. I've used this point over and over again, but it is so powerful. Could you just say amen like a preacher for a moment? Amen, amen, glory to God, hallelujah. You need to preach yourself a sermon. And what I mean by that, the other day I had been on the road traveling through flights and and, and different cars and different places. I had spoken until I did not want to speak ever again. I don't like to go anywhere to preach alone. I was alone. I was driving back. Tears filled my eyes. I was so exhausted. Felt like so overwhelmed. Felt like I had nothing left to give anyone. Didn't know if I'd ever wanted to ever speak again. And so I turned on the radio. And no sooner than I turned on the radio, this is what the announcer said. He said, and now we're ready for a sermon from Pastor Don Allen. I reached a turn for it, and suddenly I thought, you know, this would be a really good time for me to do a quality check. You know, I'll see if our editors are doing a good job. I'll, I'll listen to our opening closing. and closing. Let me just do a quality check, and, and let me just check it out. Opening was stellar. Blending was great. That wasn't me, by the way. And then I began, and my horrible, horrible southern accent repulsed me. But I started telling a story. And in the story, I couldn't remember the end of my own story. It was about a four-year-old sermon, and so I couldn't remember the end of the story. And I thought, well, let me just listen to the end of the story. And it was a story about a swimmer who was the first woman to swim the English Channel and, and how the first time she had attempted to swim the or first or second time she had attempted to swim the English Channel, she had, it, it was the foggiest day like in one of the histories of the channel. And they had these special boats to keep the sharks and things away from her. And as she's, she's swimming across, the boats are on each side of her, and all she can see is the fog. And she, she signals that she's ready to be rescued out of the water. And her, her mother leans over, the, her mom leans over the, and goes, Honey, don't give up. You're so close. I mean, it had me. It, it just had me. I, it, I'm listening to it. And don't give up. You're so close. And, and, and I'm listening. I'm going, What does she do? I'm, I'm telling the story, and I'm going, What does she do? What does she do? And, and, and her, she reaches for her mother and they pull her into the boat and as she gets up in the boat, she's above the fog and she can see she's only a few hundred yards from the shore. And she gave up just too soon. Just too soon. Someone told me the story of a great gold strike, the greatest in American history that happened in, a, in an abandoned mine that had been lost in foreclosure because someone gave up just before they hit the vein. You know, even in that, I was hearing this story, and then I thought, well, what am I going to say about this story? And no kidding, I kept listening. And I found myself going, amen, amen, that's good, that's good, amen. I was preaching myself happy, going down the road, and I wasn't even talking. Well, I was, but I wasn't, you know what I'm saying? And I got ministered to listening to a crazy preacher from Dawsonville, Georgia. And I got excited. 
And then I realized as I was preparing this point, that's what you've got to learn to do for yourself sometimes. You won't always need my voice. You don't always need somebody else's written lyrics. Sometimes you've got to remind yourself what God has done for you. And you need to start preaching yourself a good sermon, telling yourself, keep your head up. Keep moving forward. Amen. I can see some of you now going down the road going, glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. I feel it. At red lights, people will think you're crazy, but you will survive. The next thing we see is that Habakkuk rejoiced in the God of his salvation. As Habakkuk rejoiced in the God of his salvation, we understand that Habakkuk was not at the point where Christ had already died. Habakkuk it was before Christ. But the Bible says that even like Abraham, Abraham, he counted the promises of God as true and it was counted unto him as righteousness. So his hope was in the Messiah. And, and Habakkuk says, the God that I serve is the God who's going to save me. Well, now what do we say when you say you go to church and you pray the sinner's prayer, you say, I've been saved. Sometimes we forget that that word means to save me from something I don't want to be a part of. The God that I've come to preach to you is not just a God of salvation for heaven. He's a God of salvation for today. Today is the day of salvation is what Scripture says. We live on this side of the cross and we understand the high price that was paid so that we could say, I am born again. I have been saved. We understand that whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. That even though the world may be going to hell in a handbasket, for lack of a better way to say it, we are not. Maybe I need to say that again. We are not. I don't care who's in office. I don't care who put forth what legislation. I am not a citizen of this world any longer. I am a citizen of heavenly realm. I am looking for a city whose builder and maker is the Lord. I am passing through. I will influence this nation. I will influence everyone within the, the vo my voice. But I will not turn around and run in fear. Why? Because God's still God and He's still able and He's still faithful. Amen. When the children of God hide behind their televisions going, whoa, woe is me. We got a problem. It's time for us to arise and say, the Lord is our joy. The Lord is our salvation and we will see the glory of the Lord. Amen. Stand with me if you would today. Habakkuk says this as he closes his, his charge to the Lord. Before the Lord says, and the glory of the Lord shall cover the earth. You see, when God's people get done in them what he wants to do in them, that's when the glory begins to do what he wants to do around them. We can judge America, but it is no good until we judge us. He says, for the Lord is sovereign. Sovereign means that God is in charge now, tomorrow, and forever and ever. Amen. Yesterday morning, I was a little bit lazy and I read my Bible in my bedroom instead of going to my office. And as I read my Bible there, I, I came to the time to pray and as, as I began to pray all of a sudden the door of the bedroom popped open and Charlie came bursting in and jumped up beside me slid under my arm and I said buddy Uncle Don's praying and he, he said okay I said, you want to pray with me? he said yeah he tossed and turned for a few moments but at the end of my prayer I always pray our Father who art in heaven holy is your name your kingdom come your will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. About that point, as I got to that point, I heard another voice chiming in with me. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And about that time, he always takes over and he goes, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. And I'm listening to that. And I said, amen. And we're finished. And he looks at me and says, what does forever and ever and ever mean? And I tried to explain it to him. I said, well, if I tell you to do something, keep doing this forever, it means I always want you to keep doing that. I said, but if I tell you to do it forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, it means it's never going to stop. And he's kind of, well, I said, oh, I remembered one of his favorite words, infinity. He always says, do you love me as much as infinity? And I say to infinity and Some of you were in your childhood there. <laughs> and he got the infinity part. That means that God's in control for infinity. No matter who changes, what changes, what rules are in place, what laws fall, what governments fall, what nations come and arise, doesn't change the fact that he is the kingdom, the power, and the glory for infinity. And so my hope is not in this world. And thus I don't have to lift my voice and go, how long, how long, how long? I lift my voice and say, come quickly, Lord Jesus. From whom cometh my help? Come quickly, Lord Jesus, the Lord who is my salvation and my strength and my deliverer and my ever-present help in the hour of trouble. And when the devil does bring something bad to our lives, we step back and say, what you meant for bad, my God is going to turn for my good. Amen. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me in this place? I'm going to make this simple this morning. Some of you are going through things and you needed this message because it's going to change who you are. But there are some here this morning that also need to hear very clearly, God has not forsaken you and He has not forgotten you. You may not like the answers you're getting, but that's because He's preparing and He's cleaning and He's working in your life to make you into the image of Jesus Christ. I have not come to promise you easy days, but I have come to tell you there is one who will bring you through any day. And his name is Jesus. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or you've not been serving Jesus as your Savior, and you're wondering why your life is where it is, now's the time. Now's the time to figure out where God can take your life and make it better. Some of you have listened to me preach for months, weeks, years, and never really made that decision. Some are watching now. Some are listening now. God's speaking to you. Not by accident you, you tuned in today. God's speaking to you clearly. It's your day to know Christ. This is your moment to find Jesus and to settle your forever endeavor and infinity. With every head bowed and every eye closed, everyone praying. If you're here today, you, you fought horrible battles. The greatest battle you fought is the one to resist the love of God. And now today you want to surrender completely to the love of God in your life. Whether you pray to prayer or not, but you know if this is a significant moment for you to surrender your life to Christ right now, here today. You want to know Christ as Lord. The Bible says that if we confess Jesus Christ as Lord and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, we would be born again. We'll be saved. 
If that's you today, nobody's going to call you out. I just want to see your hand right where you are. Hold it up high so I can pray with you. Today's the day. Thank you. Thank you. Who will join these today? Thank you. Who will join these today? Thank you. Who will join these four that have already raised their hand today? Today is the day God's changing your life forever. Is there another? Thank you. I see that up in the balcony. Are there others? Today's your day. This is your hour. This is your time. Thank you. Five. Is there another? This is your time. See, I'm not embarrassed a single one of these. I'm not going to. This is between you and God. Is there another? Thank you, sir. Is there another? This is your day. This is your time. God's changing lives. Join hands with someone near you all over this building, if you would. Someone prayed this prayer with us. Now we're going to pray with these, I believe, seven or eight that have responded this morning. And God's going to change their lives forever. It's a simple prayer, but Jesus said, if we confess that, or God's word says, we confess that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, everything changes. And let's pray this prayer of faith together. Jesus, right now, by faith, I believe your promises. Heavenly Father, I am a sinner. You see my past, my present, and my future. I give it all to you. In Jesus' name, I repent. In Jesus' name, I believe. He died for me. He arose for me. And now by faith, I am forgiven. Come on, say that again. I am forgiven. And in Jesus' name, God is my Father. Heaven is my home. And Jesus is my Savior. Amen and amen. Now, come on, give God some praise this morning. Hallelujah. Come on, give him some praise like he deserves. Hallelujah. If you take nothing else with you this week, take this simple truth that God's still changing lives and he can change yours forever. Trust him. Circumstances do not change who he is. Hey, listen, I want to thank you for being here. Pastor Scott's going to be right down front. I'll be right down front. If you prayed that prayer of salvation this morning and you would like to talk with one of us, we'd love to talk with you. Pastor Scott wants about 90 seconds of your time right over there. We want to get you started down the right journey. Come on, let's celebrate so many giving their lives to Christ this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at Warhill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find Real Love Now.